Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and my friend, I'm coming to you from my studio in Moscow, and I'm so glad you've let me come into your space. Today, we're going to return to James chapter 2, where I'm teaching a brand new series that is called Real Faith versus Fake Faith. The subtitle says, How to Make Sure Your Faith is Real, Not Fake, and How to Really Put It to Work. That's what this entire series is about. God gave us faith so we can do something, and faith should always have accompanying actions. And if it doesn't have accompanying actions, James chapter 2 says it's dead. Faith without works is dead. And this series is about how to put your faith to work. And it comes with a wonderful study guide that is just loaded with all the points and the principles and all the Greek words in these programs. It's also in the study guide so you can read it while you hear it or while you see it. And we're also offering you two books. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, I really like these books. The first is Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. I wrote this book in the first year that we lived in the Soviet Union when we were really facing a lot of unbelievable obstacles, dream thieves, which came to steal our dream. And I wrote this book and it is just filled with divine revelation. And if you feel that you're dealing with obstacles or hindrances, this book will really help you know how to use your faith to get through every one of those obstacles. And we're also offering you my book, which is called The Point of No Return, which I wrote after this book because we as a family had passed the point of no return and we were facing a brand new assignment. This really poured out of my heart and it is just filled with inspiration and revelation and faith. The subtitle says, Tackling Your Next New Assignment with Courage and Common Sense. These two books really go together, so we're offering both of them to you today and tomorrow. And that's it for this week. So be sure to order yours now. And when you become a partner with our ministry, always remember we send you two books as a way of saying welcome to our partner family. First, we send you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. It's dedicated to partners. And I'm not prophesying a combat zone. Do You're probably already in one. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Any Difficult Situation. We believe this is important to know, so we always give it to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness, because walking in forgiveness is liberating. The moment you become a partner, and a partner is anyone who regularly financially gives into our ministry, we'll send you these two books as our way of saying thank you for joining the family. And you can get all of these things or become a partner by going online or by giving us a call. And when you reach out to us, remember, we're waiting for the phone to ring so we'll know how to pray for you. We really want to pray for you. We want to. And if you'll let us know how to pray, either by calling us or sending us an email, we will release our faith for God to do something magnificent in your life. There are so many testimonies of people who said, wow, I called your ministry or sent an email and God really answered. And my friends, we know how to pray in faith. It's not enough just to pray. You have to know how to pray in faith. God responds to faith, which is the subject of today's program. And I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. 
I've told you several times this week that when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he called them hypocrites. I'm sure that didn't make them very happy. But where did Jesus get that word hypocrite? Well, remember, he lived in the city of Nazareth, but just three miles from Nazareth was a very elegant city called Sephoris. And in the city of Sephoris, there was a theater and Jesus likely had been to that theater and he had seen actors on the stage. The word actor in Greek is the word hypocrite. That is literally what the word actor is in Greek. And actors on the ancient stage wore masks because they were pretending to be who they were not. And actually, this mask is a real Greek mask. It is pre-first century. This is a mask that they would have worn on a stage as they were acting out parts. Those actors knew all the lines they knew the lingo. They knew how to please the crowd, but they were just acting a part. And when Jesus called the Pharisees and Sadducees hypocrites, he was literally saying, I know you guys, you're just wearing masks. You've learned all the lingo. You've memorized all the lines. You'll say anything to get applause, but you don't mean a word of it. It is not authentic. It is bogus. It is phony. You're just a bunch of pretenders. That's what the word hypocrite really means. And of course, there were different kinds of theaters. There were also small in-home theaters. And if you can imagine it, if you were in a small in-home theater, you could have even worn a mask this small. But the point is, the actors and actresses were phony. They were bogus. They were pretenders. And that's where the word hypocrite comes from. But when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, Verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I know that in you there is an unfeigned faith. That word unfeigned is without hypocrisy. Your faith is not phony. You are not pretending. It is the real deal. But if there can be a phony faith, there can be a real faith. And we need to identify which faith we have. Is our faith real? Or is our faith fake? And we're going to see today that if your faith is real, it comes with actions. So reach for your Bible. And I want you to turn in your Bible to James chapter 2. And I'm going to read just a few verses. Then we're going to begin new. And when you come to James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Even so faith, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So you may say that you have faith, but if you don't have works, there's something wrong with your faith. In fact, James says it's dead. That's why in verse 18, he continues and says, Yea, a man may say, he may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by thy works. And we saw that this word show means to demonstrate, to authenticate, which means if you really have faith, you can prove it. You can illustrate it. You can demonstrate it by your works. And if you don't have any works, then there's something fatally wrong with your faith. Faith always has accompanying actions. Now today, we're going to begin in verse 19. So reach for your Bible, James chapter 2, verse 19. And it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Think how many people you've heard say, well, my faith is just a private faith. I don't talk about it and I don't share it and I don't do anything with it, but it's a deeply held faith. Well, James says, uh-huh, you're in the same category as demons. They also believe and don't do anything. Then he says in verse 20, 
But thou wilt know, O vain man, that faith without works is what? Is dead. Verse 21. Was not Abraham, today we're going to be looking at Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his deeds mm. and by works was faith made perfect. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God. He believed God. But he didn't just believe God, he did something. There was proof. There were actions that showed he believed God. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. What does that mean? I'm going to show you today. Verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. If faith is really in manifestation, there's something to see. But let's go back to James chapter 2, verse 9. I just love this verse. It says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But when you read this in Greek, it's very direct. These words, thou believest, really are almost a question that is being posed. So you say that you believe that there is one God, thou doest well. The word well, it's a Greek word, kalos. It means you're doing good. That's exceptional. That's superb. However, the devils also believe and tremble. The word also, the Greek word kai, it means additionally the devils. And the word devils that is used here is the Greek word daimonion. It depicts evil spirits, demons, or devils. That's literally the word. And James says they believe. The word believe, the Greek word pistis, which describes our rock-solid, hardcore belief, convinced to the core, demons really believe. In fact, he says they tremble. Oh, this word tremble, the Greek word friso, pictures trembling or tremors. They're just shaking to shudder, to be struck with extreme fear, to be horrified or to be panicked. And every time... I read this verse, I think about something I did when I was a little boy at our Baptist church. When church was over, I loved to go out to the car before all the women came out of the building. And I would get behind the steering wheel and crouch down low so they couldn't see me. And just before the women would pass in front of the car, I would watch. And when finally they were right in front of the car, I would lay on the horn as hard as I could just to see how the women would react. And it spooked them. It panicked them. And they would say, Ricky Renner, why are you doing that to us? That is exactly what this word tremors means. The name of Jesus and the knowledge of God spooks demons. It spooks them. It causes them to tremor, to tremble, to shudder. That is literally what it means. And if you look at the Gospels, you will find that when demons encountered Jesus, it spooked them. They were terrified of Jesus. They really believed. They know who he is. And if you have a faith that has no works, you don't ever do anything, James says, hmm, that's pretty good. But you're kind of in the same category of demons. They also believe and they really believe. In fact, they tremble at the name of Jesus and the knowledge of God. But it, their faith doesn't change anything. A faith that does nothing is a dead faith. And that's why he continues in verse 20 and says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? The word vain, the Greek word kenos, listen to this, 
It depicts something that is empty, void, or wasted. It can denote emptiness or shallowness. And here it could literally be translated, Wilt thou know, empty head, or wilt thou know, shallow thinker, that... The word that, the Greek word hoti, it's pointing to a very specific conclusion that faith without works is dead. The word without, the Greek word chorus, it means to be apart from. Faith apart from works, the word works, the Greek word erga, it describes words, deeds, or activities. It denotes accompanying actions. So you could translate it, faith apart from accompanying actions is dead. And the word dead that is used here is the Greek word argos, and this is so very important because it really means faith without works here in this verse is unprofitable. It is lazy. It is worthless. It is unprovable. It is unprovable. You may say that you have faith, but if there's no accompanying actions, there's no proof that you have faith. And in fact, this word argos here translated dead can even mean injurious. And why is it injurious? Because if people get the idea that they can have a silent faith that never does anything, it is injurious to them and it's injurious to many others who begin to think they also can have a silent faith that does nothing. It is injurious to the spirit realm and to the spiritual atmosphere in the church. Faith, my friends, is never silent. It always is loud and it always has a manifestation. And then when you come to verse 21, James continues and he says, Was not Abraham our father justified? By works. He's asking a question and he's making a point. The word justified, a form of the Greek word dikaio from the word diki. This is very, very important. The word diki refers to a judicial verdict, a judicial verdict. So here we find a judicial rendering about Abraham. Here it is a verdict that declares one to be legally approved. So you could translate this. Was not Abraham our father approved by works? It means to be made right, to be declared righteous by the courts, to have an upright standing before a court of law. And in this case, God is the judge and the audience in the courtroom is heaven. And here we find that Abraham received a rendering from heaven that he was approved. He was right. He was righteous. And how did it happen? By works. The Greek says out of his works, there was something to go along with his faith confession. There was proof that he really had faith. Then it goes on and says in verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when there was a specific moment when he was approved, when he had offered Isaac, his son upon the altar. This word offered the Greek word anapharo carries the idea of a sacrifice that is premeditated carefully carried out, performed with intention. So when Abraham brought this sacrificial offering to God, it was a sacrifice following premeditated planning and determined intention to give to God whatever God asked him to surrender. And in this case, it was his son. And the Greek is so very precious. It says the son of his, and it has a definite article, the son. It was the son that he loved so much. And the Greek says the son of his, making it so very personal. And he offered his son upon the Greek word epi. It literally means on top of the altar. The word altar here, oh, 
describes an altar for slaying and burning a sacrificial animal, but in this case, it was going to be Isaac. And it is a meeting place, a meeting place between God and a worshiper, a holy point of consecration and surrender. But let's read this account from Genesis 22, verses 2 through 19. And God said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad. By the way, he was not so young at this time. Isaac was in his 20s by this time. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. Notice he had engaged his faith that even if he offered up his son, God would raise his son from the dead. He said, the two of us are going to return. Verse six, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they, both of them went together. Verse seven, and Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both of them went together. Abraham is moving in faith, he's acting in faith, and he is declaring faith with his mouth. Then verse 10 says, I'm sorry, verse 9, And they came to the place, which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. Think of what must have been going through his mind as he was building this altar. And laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Verse 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. That day, Abraham proved he was serious about his faith. He didn't just say he believed God. He was proving that he believed God. His faith was visible. His faith came with works or with accompanying actions. Well, now let's go back to James chapter 2, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Mm. When it says wrought with his works, it is the Greek word sunergo. The word sunergo means to literally cooperate with faith and works were cooperating together, and by works was faith made perfect. Wow. Then when you get to verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him, the Greek word logizomai, it was reckoned to him, deemed to him, counted to him for righteousness. 
and he was called the friend of God. That word friend is the Greek word philos. The word philos describes a friend, someone dearly loved and prized in a personal, intimate way, a trusted confidant, one held dear in a bond, close bond or personal affection, a highly valued friend or even a close associate. And then in verse 24, it says, you see then how that faith by works, a man is justified and not by faith alone. The word that is very important. It is a Greek word, Hannah. It points to a clue conclusion. You see then conclusively by works, a man is justified. It takes faith. But if real faith is in manifestation, there will be accompanying actions. Faith is not just mere talk. Faith is something that moves. Faith has manifestation. And that is why he says, not by faith only. If a person just says they have faith, but there's no visible evidence, there's something wrong with their faith. This verse says, not by faith only. And by the way, in Greek, the word not is emphatic. It is the Greek word ouk. It is an emphatic no. The word ek means out of. The word faith is the Greek word pistis. The word monon is the word only. It means by itself, only, or merely alone, emphatically, not by faith, only or merely. If real faith is in manifestation, it comes with deeds or accompanying actions. And faith without works is dead. So let me ask you, what about your faith? Are you just speaking words? Are you demonstrating? Are you authenticating that your faith is a real bona fide faith? I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. How do you know if you're moving in a kind of faith that will really change circumstances? Since there is a real faith and a fake faith, are you sure that you are operating in real faith? Fake faith won't do much, but real faith moves mountains. And nothing is more important than making sure you have mountain-moving faith that produces results. In this five-part series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith, you'll see and learn that real faith has corresponding actions, the role of faith versus works, about Abraham's faith, about Rahab's heroic faith, about how your faith can work wonders, Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10. You'll learn how to stir up the fire of God that is in you with real Bible faith. You can also purchase the books Dream Thieves and The Point of No Return. In these two powerful books, Rick will show you how to identify the thieves that come to steal your dream and how to keep going forward once you've passed the point of no return. Rick says, these two books are some of the best materials I've ever written and are designed to help people stay on target with their dreams until they see them fulfilled. Dream Thieves and the Point of No Return can be yours today for only $15 each. Don't miss this special offer. This series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith and Dream Thieves and the Point of No Return. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. 
and because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings. No, 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 it's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I wanna say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Pastor Rick's heart is just to get the message of the gospel out there. And because he is absolutely a man after God's own heart, when God says do this, he says yes. I know that we're gonna have substantial growth just because that is Pastor Rick's vision. Pastor Rick's heart is for people and that's why he always says call in for prayer because he's sincere and he means it and we do too. We're all very honored and humbled. It's just been a wonderful thing to see the growth that has happened because we know the growth comes with people's lives being changed and that's what our heart is about. Um, these are the end times that we're living in and there are a lot of new believers. There are many people wonderful it's wonderful to hear that um, coming to coming to know Jesus for the first time and um, I'm so thankful that we have the tools and the resources available ready for them when they need it we're just privileged to get to lend our gifts and our touches to written communication from this ministry You might say, oh, Brother Rick, you've been talking about Abraham. I'm just not as spiritual as him. So tomorrow we're going to talk about Rahab. Rahab also had faith that had accompanying actions. And my friends, she was a prostitute, a prostitute who had real faith with accompanying actions. You're going to love tomorrow's program. But I'm offering you the whole series, which is called Real Faith versus Fake Faith. You don't want to have fake faith. You want the real deal. The subtitle says, How to Make Sure Your Faith is Real, Not Fake, and How to Really Put It to Work. Order this series today, and tomorrow is the last day that we're going to be offering it on the program. And my friends, it comes with this wonderful study guide. And we're also offering you my two books. The one is called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. When you get this book in the mail, read it, read it, read it. This book will liberate you. And there's a follow-up book, which is called The Point of No Return. I have found this book so helpful. I wrote it, and I've even gone back to read it because I needed to be encouraged. I know this book will help you. The Point of No Return, tackling your next new assignment with courage and common sense. But you can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call 
And when you reach out to us, hey, remember, we also want to pray for you. Let us know how to pray for you. We want to release our faith for God to do something magnificent in your life. But Father, we thank you for the amazing Bible. It is so wonderful. And Lord, we pray for a revival of the Bible in the church. And Father, help us to understand that faith is more than words. It's also actions. And help us to put accompanying actions to our faith so that we can authenticate it and demonstrate our faith is real. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.